Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, I am excited about getting into the word today. Uh, We're going to jump into the word of God for tonight. And um, we're going to be talking about growing in spiritual maturity. Growing in spiritual maturity. And uh, last week, we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. And we talked about how every believer one day will face Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. And the word of God is clear that when Jesus comes back, he will will gather his people. The dead will rise first, and then those who are alive will be caught up with him. And then, in a twinkling, twinkling of an eye, we'll be made like him, and then we'll be taken with him into eternity. And after that, we will face Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. But it is different from the great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers. And that is the judgment that every non-believer will face with God. If their name is not written in the land's book of life, they will face that, which is why we do what we do, to make sure that the people that we come across can be sure that their name is written in the land's book of life. But whenever we face the judgment, when we're at the judgment seat of Christ as believers, we will be judged. But it won't be on what we did right, what we did wrong. It won't be based on our sin because our sin has been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, our sins have been been removed from us. By the way, uh, you can go north, and once you get to the North Pole, you start going south. But did you know that if you start going east, you'll never go west? You can go east as long as you want. You can go west and never start going east. And the point of it is that east and west never touch. They eternally go the opposite directions in the same way our sins have been removed from us. But the Word of God tells us that we will one day approach the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do, our works will be judged. What we did on this earth for Christ matters because what we build in this life, either it is for Christ or it is for ourselves, will be judged by fire. And if it was built of wood, uh, wood, hay, and straw, it'll burn up. But the things that are done for the Lord will last and we will be rewarded. Praise God. So what we do... On this side of the earth matters. But the truth is that our goal eventually is heaven. Our goal is heaven. Our goal is eternity with Christ. But there is another goal on this side of heaven. While we are here with Christ, another goal that the Word of God wants for our life is spiritual maturity. Now, we're going to talk about, you know, what that means and what that looks like, but the truth is, and what we will, what we will, will be discussing is the need for spiritual maturity. 
the need for spiritual maturity in our life. There is a need for us to grow, for us to mature in Christ. In fact, maturity is a natural part of life. Everything in life matures. Everything that God created matures. You know, a seed. If we were to go to plant a, 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 an apple seed, well, one day, if it's watered correctly, it will mature into an apple tree. I don't know a ton about agriculture, but you can follow the rest there. I'll have to get Brandon to help me out with that. But, you know, uh, even, even, uh, you know, even an investment matures over time prayerfully, right? Prayerfully, it's going to mature. But even a child, we are born as babies, but eventually we mature and grow into adults. In fact, if, if someone had a child who was not maturing in their natural growth, was not maturing in their height and their weight, was not maturing in their social skills, was not maturing in their relationships and in other areas of their life, there will be cause for concern. Parents will in, investigate, they'll look into it, take them to a doctor and begin to see what is wrong because they, we are designed to mature. We are designed to grow. And in the same way, God intends for us as believers to grow and to mature spiritually. In fact, there is an expectation when we read the Word of God, there is an expectation that we grow and mature spiritually. Now, before we talk about spiritual maturity and what that looks like, it's important to know what it's not. Because while, while things in life mature with age, when they, things in life mature with time, okay, uh, a seed matures over time, a baby grows into an adult over time, you know, we can look at things that grow over time Age, spiritually, age does not, is not a determining factor for spiritual maturity. You can be a believer for 10, 20, 30 years and still not grow spiritually. So while those laws apply naturally, they do not apply spiritually. In the same way, appearance, whenever, if I was to go into pick a fruit, get ready to pick fruit, its appearance will tell me whether it's ready to be picked or not. But that does not apply spiritually. Someone can look mature, present themselves mature, but it does not mean that they themselves are spiritually mature. In the same way, our achievements are things that we should seek after in life. We should. 
We should give our best and do everything as unto the Lord. And we should give our best in all that we do in every arena of life. But our achievements, where we graduated, how much money we have, and all the other things that we can add to it do not determine our spiritual maturity. So what determines spiritual maturity, spiritual growth? Okay, I would actually say that maturity is a measuring stick, is how we can measure spiritual growth. We're going to read a few verses. I say a few. Actually, I'm going to read quite a few verses. But, um, and so we'll kind of jump around a little bit. But I want to start in Colossians chapter 1. And in verse 28, Paul is preaching from prison. And he is letting the people, he's letting the writers know why he does what he does why he endures what he endures. He is in prison and in chains for Christ. He is suffering for Christ, and people are wondering why. And he explains why here. Verse 28 of chapter 1 of Colossians, he says, "Him, It is him, talking about Jesus, that we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is why he did what he did. It's why he worked as hard as he did. It's why he, he was enduring all the things. It was all for the purpose of presenting people mature in Christ. That word mature means to be complete. It means to be perfect. Not literally, we can never be perfect in Christ on this side of heaven, but to be perfected. It means that we are ripe for the picking, that we are being prepared, that we, that, that we are prepared. It means to be complete in Christ. To be mature in Christ means to be complete in Christ. In other words, if, we, if, if I'm being complete in Christ, it means that I'm becoming more like Christ. And if we are becoming more like Christ, then it means that I'm becoming less like the person I used to be. In other words, you cannot be complete in Christ and complete in yourself. You cannot be completely in Him, rooted in Him, and completely rooted in yourself. Romans 8 tells us that very thing, that either we are walking according to the flesh or we're walking according to the Spirit. And here, if we are being complete in Christ and maturing in Christ, it means that we're heading in one direction and we're leaving the other. We're moving further away from our past, further away of who you used to be, and closer to who Jesus is maturing and being complete in Him. So, I would say that that is an essential description of spiritual growth, becoming less like who we were before and more like who He is. And listen, it's true. There's times 
uh, you know, people, you know, remain the same over time, but God's desire is not that we would remain the same. You know, I have the duty, the utmost high responsibility of potty training my daughters. Woo! And listen, Nora gave us a run for our money. Now listen, you know, it did take her a little bit longer than the others, but she got it, you know. She still wears a pull-up at night, but she got it. But if 20 years from now, she's still needing, not me, needing mama, because I ain't going to do it, to help her go to the bathroom, because it's not potty anymore by that time, it's, it's the bathroom. If she still hasn't got it, we can be like, man, girl, you still need help? Like, you're still dealing with the same thing? You know, <laughs> you know it would be kind of off. It would be different. It'd be a little weird. It, it wouldn't be right. Something would, 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 would not be correct. In the same way, if I am the same person from 20 years ago spiritually and I have not changed, then something is not right. And I need to redirect my attention to make sure I am growing in Christ. So, the Bible talks about a key, a key to spiritual maturity. The key to spiritual maturity. We find it in Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews talks, talks a lot about spiritual maturity specifically because the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are coming out of a background of the Mosaic law and finding their righteousness in religious acts. And he's trying to pull them out of that by pointing them that everything that was done, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Mosaic law was complete in Christ. So we, and, the, and he's trying to encourage them to press on to maturity. In, in chapter 5, verse 14, this is what the writer of Hebrews writes. He says, solid food is for the mature. Amen to that. Let me tell you, solid food is for some adults. Listen, I don't want baby food, okay? I do like mashed potatoes. I love sides, but I love sides with my entree. I like me some pork chops. I like me some steak. I like me some meatloaf, some hamburger steak. I can keep going, you know. But solid food is for the mature, for the adult, but it's not for the infant, okay? If you know somebody feeding their one-month-old bits of steak, then you might need to let somebody know because, you know, that's a little dangerous because they don't know how to break their food down. There, there's a lot of things they don't know. They need help, so we have to break it down. But please don't put my food in a blender. <laughs> don't do that to me. I can chew it myself. Solid food is for the mature. And, and here he says, for those. So solid food is for the mature. And then he explains who the mature are. For those who have their powers of discernment, Trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The person, we know that we are growing in maturity 
when we are employing what he, what he says as discernment, when we, are, when we are using our discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. But I like what it says here. The Word of God says that it has to be practiced, that, it has to, that we have to be trained in discernment. In other words, it doesn't come natural. You know, we can, you know, my wife Melinda, you know, you may think she's not watching, but she's watching. You know, mamas, man, they watching, okay? Melinda sees everything. And when we were youth pastors, girls thought they were getting around with something. They look and they see these eyes right there. You know, they didn't get away with nothing. She is naturally discerning, but natural discernment doesn't give us the ability to see spiritual things. We are not naturally trained in, 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 in discernment. It is something we have to practice and train ourselves in specifically for the purpose, it says, to distinguish good from evil. Now, I like how it's written here because it doesn't say so that you can distinguish what is good and what is evil for information purposes but that you would distinguish the good from the evil. In other words, I'm looking for what is right. I'm looking for what the right thing is. I'm trying to find out what it is that God wants me to do. And so I use discernment. I pray and I seek the Holy Spirit to find out how I should respond so that I can do the right thing. Discernment is not a matter of intellectual understanding. It is not a matter of us understanding it, and it's not up here, but it is a matter of obedience, of the heart wanting to do what is right. So we know that we are growing in spiritual maturity when we are trying and using discernment to do the right thing. And man, listen, over the last three years, man, we've had to use a lot of discernment. Well, maybe it was maybe it's mainly me, man. I know I, ha- I I've had to, you know, in our culture, the things that have been coming and flying at us, I've had to use discernment, and it's something that we have to use. And so, we're going to talk about how we can grow in our spiritual maturity. How can we grow in this? So we're going to look at four scriptures and identify four ways, four things for us to do to assure that we are growing in maturity, to make sure that we are maturing in our faith. Because we don't want to look back and see the same tree we saw three years ago. <laughs> you know, we don't want to, you know, to realize that we haven't been moving. And we want to make sure that we're not using the wrong measurements to measure our spiritual growth but that we're using the right one. So let's look at four. I believe it's four. Yes, four. All right, so number one, we grow spiritually by being established in sound doctrine. Being established in sound doctrine. I love what Paul wrote here in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 14. He says that 
He, talking about God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The purpose, he's saying that the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to make sure to, that, that we all are being equipped for what God has prepared for us to do and to make sure that we are growing up in him, that we are, that we are growing in him and that we are building the body of Christ. You know, I, I have friends and I know people that I've speaking with who believe that you can be saved but not go to church. And I know I'm not talking about anybody here, obviously. I'm talking about people that I've spoken with in the past and people that I'm friends with. And they believe that, listen, you know, I got Jesus, but, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to go to church. I don't, you know, I don't need church. I've been hurt by church, whatever the reason is. But here, this scripture right here, it, it, it destroys that thinking because here, clearly, the church is a part of God's plan for our sanctification for our growth, to prepare us for what he has for us and to make sure that we are growing in him, to make sure you, you cannot separate Jesus from the church. He is the head of the church. And so that's what he's saying here. But he says this, that also that we would be mature in manhood, that we would grow into mature manhood or to adulthood, to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the fullness of Christ, being complete in Christ. So that right here, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay, back to dad mode for a second. My kids, I've watched them carry, you know, wobble on their tummy and begin to crawl. And one of the most scariest things is when they begin to crawl because whenever they're crawling, what's ever in front of them is going in their mouth. <laughs> Whatever they find, it can be an old sucker. Man, it can, be, it can be crumbs that fell on the ground. It could be a toenail clipping. I mean, it can be anything. And listen, sweet little Maya... Love that girl, but I don't even want to talk about the things that she put in her mouth, okay? We're going to leave that for another time, but anything that you can imagine, it probably happened, okay? But, but they're babies, they're kids, and whatever comes in front of them, they're going to put in their mouth, whatever comes their way. But, and that's what he's saying here, that, that, that as babes in Christ, that, that we must grow up into maturity so that Whatever comes our way, we're not just putting in our mouth and say, ooh, that's good. Oh, that sounds great. Because things look good and they sound good, but it doesn't mean that it's God. There are things that are popular, things that are being talked about, things that are done, and, 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 it, and it sounds great, but it doesn't align itself with the Word of God. And those things, we have to be sure that we're not being swayed from new teaching to new teaching to new cool thing that sounds great, but that we are rooted and we're established in the Word of God so that we can discern 
what is right and what is wrong. What is good, what is evil. What is God and what is not. You know, one of the things I'm thankful for, I've only been here for 11 years. Many of you guys have been here for 20, 30, 35 years and more, and you've been a benefit of the amazing and wonderful teaching that we have heard from Pastor Ron and Miss Brenda. We have been blessed in making sure we have heard great word over the years. In my 11 years, I've heard great word every time. But it's not a great word just because Pastor Ron is preaching it. He'll be the first one to tell you. It's a good word because he makes sure to preach the word of God. It is the sound word of God. And we can't just listen to somebody just because they sound trustworthy and trust that what they're saying is true. We have to be established in the word of God so we can tell whether it's true and whether it's not. Amen? Growing in spiritual maturity, number one, is being established in sound doctrine. Number two is being selfless. Growing in spiritual maturity is being selfless. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Don't be selfish is what Paul says. Now, Paul, he's using Jesus as an example of what it means to be mature in Christ. And he's trying to teach them also to be mature. Because in Philippi, some had Roman, uh, they had Roman citizenship. And if you had Roman citizenship, man, you were the man. I mean, like, like you had it going on. And so it's like you had the new iPhone and nobody else had it. Okay, maybe that's a bad example. But they, you know... They, and the way that they saw other Christians, if they didn't have Roman citizenship, they were looking down on them. And Paul was saying, don't be selfish. In fact, he uses Jesus later on as as the example, and he continues on. He says, don't be selfish. Let us not be selfish. Do not try to impress others. We should be trying to impress God, not other people. Be humble. He says, and he explains what he means by that by saying, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And he's just not saying this randomly. He's using Jesus as the example who considered you more important than himself when he emptied himself from heaven and humbling himself As a man, even to the point of the cross, he considered you more important than holding on to the position that he had in heaven. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. And not to look out for your own interests. That is something that we do naturally. We naturally look out for our own for our own children, for our own investments, for our own things that we have investment in. But he's saying, but don't only, and we should look at our own interests, but also take an interest in others too. Consider how others may feel. Consider how we can help others. Jesus is our ultimate example, and he was using Jesus as the ultimate example of maturity, that we would not be selfish, that we would not try to impress other people, 
just so that we can get praise or get recognition or get the respect or whatever we are looking for, that we don't try to live our lives to please people, that we would not, that, but instead that we would humble ourselves, consider other people better than ourselves, and that is not easy to do. It's easy to do in some cases, but we all know that there are some people it's hard to do. It is hard to do in some cases. And that right there is called faith. That is the working out of our faith whenever it's hard. That working of our faith, that's, that's, that is being selfless. Being selfless is a mark of maturity and is the mark of us becoming more like Christ. The more we can think of others before we think of ourselves, the more we are maturing in our walk with Jesus. So that's number two. Thirdly, another way that we can grow in spiritual maturity is being sober-minded. The Bible talks about being sober-minded. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Do not be tossed to and fro in your thinking. Do not... Be, you know, do, do, do not be children in your thinking, but instead be infants in evil. Okay, there's a difference between a child and an infant. Okay, an infant is innocent. They, are, they literally are innocent. Thank God Nora got saved. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Because, Lord, be infants in evil, be innocent in evil, but in your thinking, be mature, be complete, be an adult, grow up in your thinking. What is, he, what is he talking about is that we would be mature in our thinking in the sense that, that we are, are not sober-minded, that we are in control of our thoughts. Being sober-minded, well, being sober is to not be intoxicated. When we're intoxicated, it it, it affects how we think. It affects how we see. It affects our life. It affects how we think. To be sober is to be unaffected by the influence of outside factors. And in the same way, being sober-minded as a believer means that we would be in control of our thoughts, that, we're, that we are controlling what we are being influenced by, that we're not unaware, that we're letting anything come in and just imagining that it's not going to affect us. The truth is that it does. The truth is that, you know, there are things that do affect us, things that don't affect us. But, we have, but if we're in control, when we are sober, then we are aware of what, is, uh, of what is coming our way, and we can be in control, that I can walk according to the Spirit. Romans 8 says that, that, if you, that, that, if you, that if you put your mind, set your mind on the things of the flesh, then it leads to death. But if you set your mind on the Spirit, then it leads to life and peace. What Paul was saying is that the war is in the mind, and if we can set our mind on the Word of God, set our mind on the Spirit, it will affect our emotions. It will affect everything else, and it will begin to guide us and begin to move us closer to Christ, moving us, first, uh, moving, moving us further and closer to Him. Amen. And lastly, 
it, that we, we grow in spiritual maturity by being positive under pressure being positive under pressure. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, count it all joy. I've always thought this was interesting. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Be perfect. Remember, perfect and complete are also words of maturity, that you would be maturity, that steadfastness through trial produces in us and helps us to grow in maturity. Now, I do not think that when Paul says to count it all joy, that he means that we do not have difficulty. Don't have difficulty. Don't, don't grieve. Don't struggle. Hey, that, I, that's, that's not what he's saying. I believe instead that, it's, that even through it, when we walk through that valley, when we walk through it and we are struggling and we are working and we are standing and we are working through the disappointment, working through the process, working through all of it, and we know it's painful, we know it hurts, we know it's difficult, that there is a positive posture at the end of the road that we're able to have. There is a posture that as a believer, right now things are not okay. Right now things are difficult. Things are hard. But at the end of the road, once I get through it, once I walk through it, there's a place that I can stand Eventually, and I say, but God, but God, I still trust in him. And when Jesus comes back, he will make everything right. But in it, James is saying that there is a perspective that we get, that we only get, a maturity that we get that comes through difficulty. God does not bring it on our behalf, but he does use it. And we won't see it in front of us, but down the road, there's a perspective. And listen, every one of us has walked through difficulty. Every one of us, some harder than others. But God uses it to grow us in a way that nothing else can. And it gives us a perspective of life that we would not have had otherwise. There's a posture we can have to be positive under pressure. It may not be now, it may be later, but eventually we land and we say that, God, you are good. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still placing my faith in you. I'm still anchoring my faith in you. To me, that is real faith. That is true faith. And I've I've seen many of you do walk this very thing out, and that is true faith. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community 
and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.